Yeah. I have a question to ask you, like, okay. right off the bat. All right. I'll play the song and then ask you the question. It's not very loud. You get impatient, like waiting for it to be over. I mean, most people just probably cut the theme music into the front of the show. Afterwards? Like afterwards, yeah. I find that to be more work. Hmm. I think it's it's probably just a matter of like, how do you want to spend your time? Right. And I'm like, the less I could do, if I could just broadcast live. Yeah. And then <laughs> if you not just, do anything. If you just had your own radio show, you know, yeah. your own like broadcast radio show that's that would be your ideal setup in a way yeah because then it's like when am i done i stand up and walk away right you need like a seven like so given that i've listened to some recent episodes and you've had to you've had some bleeps out which is unusual for this show yes that you have to bleep out poon master flex's real name so what that's even implying that that's not her real name (laughs) yeah that's a so you're just gonna have to bleep all of this out just one long bleep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. I have bleeped out names. Right. That's one I will do because I fear otherwise people will not be on here with me. <laughs> so if you had like a broadcast show, like how long of a delay do you think you would need? Because every time you do the delay, you know, you have to take it out. So think about how much you'd bleep out. I think seven seconds is still good for me. Like mm-hmm. that's kind of the standard radio, old right. time radio and like. Usually, I figure it out right after I do it. Mm-hmm. Or Poonmaster Flex right. gives me a look, and I'm like, oh, fuck. Right. Well, I've done it again. Oops, I did it again. Beep! I did it again. I said all your name. <laughs> Got lost in the game <laughs> of playing radio. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Basically, yeah. That's right. Okay, I had. I actually have two questions for you. Okay. One is like an academic question. All right. And one is a not an academic question. Well, since I am now, as of today, Ian Dirk, ABD, all but dissertation. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, as of as of when um, we're recording this. So I'll count it. Yeah. Because you finished the dissertation. Right? All but dissertation. Oh, okay. So yeah, you're like, not done with it yet. Right. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. What's that like? Is that just like a bunch of writing? It's that you have to, before you can write a dissertation, you have to write a prospectus, which is like a proposal. Okay. And then the, you know, so I've passed the proposal stage. So they're like, okay, we'll let you write a long ass thing about this thing that you're interested in. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What, like, uh, don't take this the wrong. What's the point of that? Uh, to make sure you're not writing something crazy. I mean, I think that's a big point of it is that if you just started writing a dissertation, because a dissertation can be a long research project. Yeah. Like you have to imagine that. Like, in my case, I might be doing things like talking to people, doing interviews, doing interview questions, having to go through an institutional review board, like doing a bunch of work. And it would be terrible to do a whole bunch of work. And then it turns out like, oh, well, what you were trying to do was stupid to begin with. Okay. Right. And so this is trying to say like, okay, tell us what you want to do, why it matters. Um, so that way you're not wasting your time. Right. You're not wasting a bunch of time and a bunch of other people's time. Yeah. 
Um, so kind of imagining that basically this is a, here's what I want to do. Yeah. You know, and that it's important for this reason. So is the prospectus difficult or is that not so bad? Um, for most people, it's not too difficult. I had some challenges, like just kind of getting it done um, in a reasonable time. Like I kind of planned to do it over the summer. And I think I wound up just, uh, we moved over the summer kind of suddenly. Sure. You know, and that was sort of um, disorienting for me. Sure. Um, like I found as I get older, like I used to be able to, when I was young, I'd like, I'd move to a new place and be like, oh, I'm fine. Yeah. But now I'm like, where's my paintings? I'm disoriented. I don't feel good. <laughs> i see like wandering around uh my wife sort of is like you were kind of like wandering around like a lost bird for like a couple of weeks just like confused confused and, and, and you not know in your home environment right and i okay. think that was kind of slowly disruptive and then um over the summer i got a vasectomy too and that sort of disrupted my routine yes which we'll circle back to we'll that. circle back to that but that's just to sort of explain that like like depending on the person like some and you know then i also have a full-time job on top of that you know so like sure you know some people who are graduate students like they're they they maybe teach like two classes or no classes and i'm teaching five classes and have to go to meetings and stuff so it's just a lot more work so let me ask you this question like uh how many hours would you say go into a prospectus for uh, you for me I mean, I would probably say, like, it's tough because it's trying to think about, like, a writing process one. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, and I know there's probably some research parts and then, like, what's actual writing, what's revising, what's researching, what's, like, other just formatting shit. All my all that craziness that I think I would probably say because I, I I did block out time every week to sort of work on it so I can kind of refer to what I blocked out in time. Um, just to like, that was sort of the minimum blocked out time in working on it to some degree. And I had blocked out about eight or so hours a week that were just dedicated time to working on my prospectus. Okay. Like that was really helpful for me as a writing process. Like say, I'm not going to do anything else. Right. You know, and having to talk with my spouse and be like, this is, this is my writing this is time. My dedicated time. Right. I'm not going to work on my teaching. I'm not going to work on other stuff. It's just going to be prospectus time. Um, and I blocked out about like six to eight hours every week for that. Okay. Um, for the past, um, 15 weeks or so. Okay. Um, so ballpark, I could say maybe 75 to a hundred hours. I'd probably say like probably 70 for hours. The prospectus. Yeah. For the, for the prospectus. Yeah. <laughs> and then I assume the dissertation's like way more. Yeah. I uh, mean, so then does your prospectus... I don't know if this is interesting to anybody, but I'm curious. Okay. Um, does the prospectus like provide you kind of a roadmap for your dissertation? Yes. Like it's a little bit of an outline. Yeah. It, I mean, part of what I had to turn in was um, like the chapters that I would have. Okay. Like what each chapter does. Okay. And like, I have to have research questions like this, you know, and I would have to have like this chapter will answer this research question. Okay. This chapter will answer this research question. So the work of your prospectus, it's not like you do that. Then you basically start. Right. You've already started on the dissertation as far as structure and that kind of stuff. Right. Like I have a roadmap, you know, like and that roadmap might change or, you know, obviously be altered like in a project. Yeah. Um, but you sort of say like, here's kind of what I want to do in a book. Okay. You know, like it's different. Yeah. Like if you were writing a non, like a regular nonfiction book, like if you were doing a nonfiction book proposal, 
the chapter outline might look kind of similar to that. Yeah. I mean, maybe not a pitch, but like if you had the, here's what I'm going to write about. Right. Right. Um, All right. Yeah. And it has a time. And I also had to have a timeline too of like, I would have these chapters and I'd have them done by this time, this time. Okay. You know? Okay. So. I was going to pull this up and maybe read it exactly, but I'm going to just try and do it from memory. Okay. An academic question came up. Okay. I'm part of a, a couple librarian Facebook groups because my new job involves me being on Facebook a lot. And this is a place I often find content. All right. However, some of them are like places that people go to bitch about things. And So, wait, isn't a library like just a repository of content in a way? Yes. Okay. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it doesn't seem like other people would argue vehemently with you about that, but no, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going. I'm to. not saying merely a repository of content, but that's one of its functions. Yeah, like it, it, it's there. Oh, definitely. Right. Yeah, and like it, it irks me a little because a lot of people ask questions that I'm like, this is not an appropriate question to ask a group of your peers. You know, they'll be asking like HR type questions. Okay. And I'm like, you should probably ask your HR representative about that or like someone was asking a question like should i tell i'm applying for a job and i'm going to the interview i'm pregnant should i tell them and i was like first of all no right secondly this is not the appropriate place to get advice on that and third anyone who's giving you advice on that here is a fool like that's crazy but um i also find a lot of them so someone will ask a question like, for example, I might have talked about this on here, but somebody okay. uh, before was like asked a question like, so Columbus Day, um, some places are closed, some places aren't. Right. And they were like, how do you address a, a library patron who says like something about Columbus Day? Like, how do you inform them that it's Indigenous People's Day or so, you know, something like that? And then the answers people provide are like so uh snarky would be the nice way to say it sure but asshole you're being right. an asshole and like it makes me crazy because it's like okay i know you have big internet muscles when you're on this librarian facebook group and we're all right. just like imagining the best burn we could come up with but like maybe giving someone the greatest burn you can think of is not like a wise idea that dunking on the library, the hypothetical library patron. Yeah. I'm guessing like, yes. this is not like the boss or the administrator. No, no, no. Okay. This is, yeah. This is just someone who's across the desk and maybe says, I don't know something about make Columbus great again. I don't, I don't know exactly know what the premise was because I was like, do people even think of that as a real holiday? That has not been a day off for me for like, I don't even remember. I don't even think all the way through school. I we had, got that day off. I had one job where I worked that, and it was a weird job situation because like I was working in one building, but I was in my, my employment contract was with like a, somebody like a different entity mm -hmm. that didn't own the building. Mm -hmm. And I was like one of two people who was like under one of these different contracts. Okay. And we had uh, Columbus day slash indigenous people's day off, but everyone else in the building didn't. Right. Right. Yeah. So it's like kind of fucked up. And I was kind of like, well, you know, for me, the operative thing was like, do I have to come to work or not? Yeah. You right. know, like that's really, you could just kind of, I mean, some, you know, I have a practical answer to this question. Um, but 
Well, I did too. Right. And the practical answer I provided in this instance was like, you know, all the time people will come up and say things to me where they say something about that I totally don't agree with or I'm like not on board with. And I usually just say something like, you know, oh, another day in paradise or whatever, because I'm like, I don't want to engage with them. I'm not going to engage with them when I'm at work Mm -hmm. because then if you, you can't have like an argument with somebody that you essentially work for because that argument can just turn into, Hey boss, your employee was being a dick. Right. And then your boss is like, maybe you have a good boss and the boss is kind of like, Oh, okay, well we'll address that. And then they're just like, I don't really give a shit. But point being, it doesn't change anyone's mind. It's not going to improve anything. It's just like, you know, just fucking move on with life. I have to imagine, um, and maybe this is this. These are the circles that I run in. Like, I don't imagine. I don't encounter very many people who are like, "It's Columbus Day." Columbus you know, Day like, does not seem to be the hill that many. I have not experienced anybody who's dying on that hill. <laughs> I mean, it seems like I'm most of my experience of that is like that episode of The Sopranos, where it's basically like. You know, Polly Walnuts, who's also like not among characters in TV, you should not emulate Polly from The Sopranos. Not hot, definitely do not follow his path. He doesn't do the wise thing very often. Almost certainly written to be an asshole. Right. And it's like, okay, I guess if you're following the example of someone who is meant to be an asshole. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just, I thought it was weird. I mean, it's also. Maybe it's different if you live somewhere where there's, like, a lot of Italian people. Right. Who are, like, real proud of their Italian heritage or something. But here I was, like, I, I've i never even really thought about Columbus Day, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. And my only, my only hot take on Columbus Day is, okay, I get that we're not celebrating that anymore can we move the day off to be something else and right. still retain the vacation day? Cause I, I get like six holidays in mm-hmm. the year and I'm like, be ni- I would improve my holidays by more than 10% if we got that. Or, you know, if we, if, if things developed such that people were like, you know what, we can't do Christmas anymore. Mm-hmm. Cause that's like a Christy thing and whatever. Sure. But I'd be like, can we hold the phone? Can I still get two days off whenever? I don't really care when, but like, can I get two consecutive days off every year? Because I, it's, I don't, I don't want to surrender those to the man if right. I can help it. It's kind of weird in a way that like for military people, we have uh, three holidays in the year. Yeah. You know? Sure. And then two of them are days off. Yeah. Um, so you know what that means? Soldiers better than Jesus. Well, I mean, they get more time off. They are around to complain about it. That's a, so what Jesus needs to do is come back. Yeah. Be like, give, you know, I, they, they put out all those feast days for a reason. <laughs> yeah. Right. You're supposed to take all of those off. Well, the other thing is with Columbus day, it's like, it's military holidays are a great example. Right. It's not like on veterans day. I'm going to the fucking graveyard. And like, oh, yeah, everybody's drunk and barbecuing. Mm-hmm. Like, that's all anybody does on Memorial Day. Nobody's doing like, uh, some people are. People whose family are active military and the old guys who are wearing their Vietnam hats around, I'm sure they're doing something. 
But the rest of us are just like, I'm just kind of fucking taking the day off. And like Columbus Day, if we had that day off, it's not like I'm like, bless that man, right. <laughs> that brave man who did fucking whatever. Your basic take would be like, if they just called it, say, Indigenous People's Day and you still had the day off. Fine. You're like, great. Whatever. That works for me. Mm-hmm. If they could, they can call it anything. Mm-hmm. Like if you want to call it Dolly Parton Day and... It's like we don't work nine to five on Dolly Parton Day. It's it's that why, is fine. In a way, it's why Labor Day might be one of the best holidays. Yeah, because it's like, what are we celebrating? Working by yeah. not going not to work. Working right. <laughs> I'm just saying, yeah. Let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater here. Let's let's retain the day off because I feel that uh, I feel most companies take enough advantage of their workers. And could spare a holiday here right. and there. And, uh, but you know, it doesn't have to be for that. Mm-hmm. So that's, anyway, that's a long version of the tenor of the group. Okay. So today I saw a question that I was like, oh, Ian, my, I wonder what Ian's take is on this. Oh, dear. Um, and so he, the question was basically okay, I'm a PhD student. Okay. Um, I assume PhD in library science, which is like crazy. I don't know why you would do that, but people make terrible life choices. I know. Right. I'm like, what are you going to do? Like, what are you going to do? The only, the only reason I can see to get that is because you're independently wealthy and it's just like interesting to you. I mean, I guess someone has to teach library school, but yeah, I don't really know. You yes. Know? Like- and, the irony of that is then what you have is library school is taught by a bunch of fucking people who've never worked in a library. <laughs> yeah. Like, so you're like, what the hell are you teaching me? I don't, it's, you know, um, Jen's experience as an attorney is basically like almost everyone she had in law school yeah. was not working as an attorney. Right. And may have not worked as an attorney for a long time. It's pretty fascinating. Or like business school kind of works that way, I think. Where it's like, wait a minute, if you were such a successful businessman, why are you teaching me well, bus- an idiot about business? <laughs> business school has the opposite problem, which I'm guessing Poonmaster Flex could speak to, mm. which like, there's probably one group of people who are, you know, why aren't you out doing business? Yeah. The other one is, you have no business teaching a class. Well, sure. That like, there's a lot of those things, like if you get some... The secret of a lot of those classes where they get, like, big-name person, like, you know, big-name military person or big-name, um, oh, sure. you know, journalist, yeah, is that someone else is, like, basically writing up all the lesson plans, all the ideas, all the structure of the class. Right. They're trying to, like, drop this person into it and basically doing all of the grading. Oh, okay. You know, so it's like the... Um, something is being structured around this celebrity teacher... I've always wondered about that because, like, teaching visiting writers is, like, a big thing. Right. You know, you'll have John Irving will come and teach a semester at such and such college. But I was always like, well, I don't – here's something I learned from athletic coaches. Mm-hmm. The best athletes and the best coaches, not the same people. Yes. <laughs> like, super gifted athletes were not necessarily the best – teachers to other athletes like some of those really gifted athletes are people who can intuit something really well yeah you know like the, the ball just kind of 
goes into their hand. And if you ask them to explain how they do it, they're like, I don't know, just does. Yeah, and I think there's a psychological thing of like, I'm guessing most people who were highly successful athletes were for whatever reason psychologically motivated towards athletics. Right. Whereas you may be coaching somebody and it, if it's hard for you to understand why someone is like kind of meh about training or whatever, then you're not going to be a great coach for them. That coaching is a lot about people and yeah. being an athlete is about knowing a sport. Yes. And in some cases, even like in a team sport, like football or basketball, it's like knowing your role in the sport. Yeah. And you, as a coach, you have to be able to break it down. Right. You have to be able to break it down and make it simple for the, for the player. Cause you're like, well, they have to understand and execute this. So if it's super complicated, if I can't explain these things in very fundamental ways, it's not going to work. So I wonder what someone with a PhD in library science would be able to break down to future librarians. I think it would just be worse. I think it would be so much worse because they'd be telling you things that you're like, what? And like, that's, it's like the core of the whole thing because I'm like, your job as a librarian is mostly going to be taking something that's complicated and making it understandable to someone who maybe has a second grade education. Mm-hmm. Like that is the core of what you do. And so there's got, I, it's a diminishing returns, right? right? Like I think, I think maybe even the master's degree is where you already see diminishing return, but definitely anyway, right. It's a PhD student mm-hmm. and they have to do discussion board posts And this PhD student has noticed that a fellow student, um, this student A has noticed that student B is putting up um, plagiarized content. So they are thinking that this other student in their class is copying and pasting shit and just putting it in as their discussion board things. Okay. Um, They didn't go into any of how they knew this or like whatever, but they just seemed very certain about it. And so they kind of said, like, I'm not sure what to do, but here's what I'm thinking. And it was like, the realistic options were basically go tell the professor um, or do nothing about it. Or one suggestion they had also was like, maybe I should make some kind of comment that reveals that I know what they're doing on the discussion board or whatever. That, that was the dumbest one, I thought, because I was like, eh. And then it was like, other. Now, because these are library dorks, which this is, okay. Do you want, should you say what your opinion is first, or do you want me to say what my opinion um, is? I'll say that I think, um, and this isn't a PhD level program. It's a PhD program. So these are adults. Okay. Like, 25 would probably be pretty young. I think, and this is coming from a perspective mostly teaching undergraduate students. Yeah. And one thing I find is that a lot of students understand, like, the basic rules of, like, citing and giving people credit. Yeah. But if you get them outside of an essay, you know, like a Mm -hmm. paper that they, like a sort of seminar paper or term paper or something like that, somehow those rules or ideas or concepts... Yeah. Just, like, fly out their brain. Right. Right. Like, it's really hard to transfer those concepts in a meaningful way. It's, like, why when I'm teaching, like, a speech class, there's a whole bunch of, like, references just dumped at the end of a slideshow. 
Oh, right. Where I'm like, this is basically useless, you know, to me as an audience member. Right. Right. But this is what you would do in an essay. So like they're transferring, you know, in that case, like that the student's not doing something wrong. Right. There, like in terms of like plagiarism, but there's like, well, this is not helpful. Like it's not doing the, it's following the letter of a law, but not the spirit of it. Right. You know, and like, they're not doing anything. They're not stealing from anybody, but it's like, well, this doesn't, this doesn't do what the citation thing is supposed to to do right um and i think this happens a lot with discussion boards especially when there's like a short word count yeah um and there's a lot of students who just don't get the transfer idea like it's saying is this like a class dis-? you know it's one way of thinking about it is like is this supposed to be like a class discussion like if you're just yeah sitting face to face you're chatting with people you're not going to have like a long citation right true you might now you should have some effort toward like Oh, I read, you know, I read Peter Dirk's book. These and are he not says, my original thoughts. <laughs> well, part of it is also saying, like, if you, if if I say, like, I read Peter Dirk's book, you know, um, Bendy Skeleton number two. Okay. Right? Yeah. And I say something, and it turns out, like, oh, I got this completely wrong. Yeah. If I say where I got it from, you know, yeah. someone could say, like, oh, you know, I read this book, I read this differently, like, right. I'm not sure you have this right, or, like, can you tell me where you got, you know, like, yeah, yeah. it's a way of not saying, like, I, you know, I'm not going to try to dunk on someone, and students should be tr- <clears throat> shouldn't be trying to, like, dunk on each other. Yeah. You know, even though that happens a lot in graduate school, but I'm it's sure. like, if you say, <laughs> but if you say, like, here's the book where I got this idea from, here's the structure of what I think. Yeah. You know, like, that's what it's supposed to do. Right. So I would probably say the student, if this if student B, right, is doing none of that, yeah. right? Like is not making, if they're saying like, oh, I got this off of Google or like hyperlinking to the thing, like that to me, when I have discussion boards, like that seems more useful to be like, look, if I'm yes. quoting somebody, just link out. Than putting the citation with the full whatever, because it's mm. like, eh. Right. Like, I don't you, need it. Like I kind of say like, oh, okay, I'm linking out to this article or I'm linking out to this bit sure. or I'm linking out to the thing. Like if they're making some... If the student is making some effort to do that, mm-hmm. you know, like that's different. But I guess this is like student A is trying to figure out what to do with student B. Correct. So student B, there's a couple of possible things. One thing is, like I said, they don't really get the rules of a discussion board very well. Yeah. You know, and there's not really like clear rules on like what are... Plagiarism is one of those things that like universities have a very strong policy about penalties, but not really clear idea of like what it is. What constitutes and does not... Right, yeah. because it's contextual, and that like the rules of citing a source in a speech and in an essay are different because right. it's a different format. Right. If you made a video with music in it, right, you wouldn't have like the APA citation of music when it pops up. You might have it like in end credits. Yeah, or in a description, right, separate from the actual content. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and sometimes like when I'm making videos for a class, I'll have something much more like a, uh, you know, this sound by this person found here rather than like the APA citation because I'm like, this is much easier for someone to discover it. Well, and realistically, you're right. Like some citation format doesn't translate that well to modern technology. Yeah. It's probably easier for me if you said freesound.org and here's this title of the sound or just here's the hyperlink to it. That's going to be easier for me to like 
go back to if I chose to than right. the actual form. Right. The format is just a way, you know, like the format is not a bad thing. And like if you're listening as a student and they say follow the format, like, you know, follow the format. Sure. Um, the format is just an easy way to say like here's a sort of agreed upon set of rules. Yeah, yeah. You know, and some of the rules are overly complicated. But, you know, the the first option is probably what I come to is to say one of the things might be to post under, you know, one option for student A is to look at student B's work, right? Take the stuff, maybe one of those quotations student B used and quote it properly in some way mm-hmm. to be like, oh, here's a model of what to do. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference of a student saying like, if student B sees your model, especially if you like, you know, put student B in the post or you reply to their post, like, you know, mm-hmm. they need to be engaging with your their own work on a certain level. Mm-hmm. So like if you're doing that thing and you're citing properly, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe student B is going to go, oh, I need to do that. Right? Yeah. They see okay. a demonstration of what is an expectation. Okay. Um, another thing student A can do is maybe ask the professor more clearly not to say student B is cheating, to say discussion boards are a particular type of thing sure what is the purpose of a discussion board and how do you want us to cite outside material okay right because so asking that general way right and then hopefully student b will sit will say oh okay right because sometimes like people can say you know like sometimes with discussion boards i t- tend to want students to like interact and you right. know i don't I'm not as worried about like the I don't make them cite in like APA for example sure, sure. I say like look tell me like if you say the chapter from the textbook right yeah, yeah. or like the yeah the essay on this you know then I'm like I get it if it's something right. outside like give us a little more information like we need enough to be able to kind of figure out where you're getting your stuff from but it's meant to be a more informal environment right and it's more about discussing the idea than it is about citing the original material, like sending people back to the original material. Cause it's like, look, we all read the same fucking chapter in class. Right. I don't need, I don't need you to cite it every time we're going to talk about it. Well, like, but that's also where it's useful if they say like, Oh, well, you know, in this chapter it talks about this, like it talks about alienation, for example. And I can then they start talking about alienation in a totally different way than the book does. I can say like, well, that's not really what the book meant. Sure. Like you're, doing something else okay. so it's like yeah that's a disconnect okay so you could you could ask the person the professor to clarify right or you could uh do lead by example mm-hmm. let's say i think those are good options well i well first of all i was horrified because almost every respondent said tell the professor like basically tell on this person which I was like, this is this is what made me furious because I was like, I can tell that you all are not used to a real workplace because number one, why, why do you want to like go running to mom and dad? You know what I mean? It's like, come on. I think if it's a problem for you, you maybe you should figure out a way to work it out better. But number two is I've experienced this a lot at work, which is like, Okay, but you have to understand that if you turn a problem over to someone else, they're going to handle it the way that they think is appropriate, which might not be the way that you want them to. Mm -hmm. So in other words, this person was really pissed off and was like saying like, I think this hurts the integrity of the program and blah, blah, blah. And it was like, well, it sounds like you basically want to get this person like booted out of the program. 
that's probably not going to happen. But when you turn the problem over to someone else and it doesn't get handled the way you want it, you've kind of surrendered your like agency in it. Right. When you turn a problem over to someone else and you're like, solve this problem, it's kind of like this. It's like if uh, Poonmaster Flex told me to vacuum the house. Mm -hmm. And so I start vacuuming the house and I'm not doing it the way she wants it because I started upstairs instead of downstairs, which is the correct way. Um, But she didn't want me to do it that way. When you make someone else vacuum the house, you kind of surrender your ability to be like, tell them how to do it. It's the John Hodgman rule of, like, if you're not willing to help or participate in a thing. Yeah. Like, once you delegate it out, like, you've kind of delegated it. Yeah. You know? You have to let it go. And I think that, like, if student A did say, like, they wanted to talk to the professor for whatever reason, right? Sure. I can kind of see where maybe person A says, look, as a student, as a member of this learning community, like, I have an obligation. Maybe they feel like they have an obligation to report it up. Yeah. And all they had to do is say, like, look, I reported it up. That's all I can do. You know, if, if the program doesn't respond at all or, like, right. whatever they, you know, like, maybe the person just says, like, look, I just want this. They can, you know, it's kind of like if they, I can kind of imagine this as, like, a a strong nuisance, uh, like, lawn ornament, right? Okay. It doesn't necessarily hurt you, right? Mm-hmm. Like, maybe it doesn't cause you harm mm. directly, but, like, imagining maybe not a loosest lawn ornament, but kind of, like, your neighbor has a bunch of weeds, right, sure. in their in their front yard. Yeah. You know, and even if, hypothetically, the weeds could never spread to your yard, right, it's not going to hurt you. Yeah. People driving through your neighborhood, or you say, oh, you know, I'm in the Crestwood neighborhood, and they're like, oh, you're at the house with all the weeds on it. Yeah. And with degree, like, and with college degrees, like... College degrees are reputational, like, way too much. Sure. I agree that that's not necessarily fair, but, like, when reputation is your major currency for, like, the your degree, like, yeah. reputation does matter. I'm not sure how much it matters whether a PhD in library science, but, like... That's what I'm saying. And for the most part, with a PhD program, and this also might be different because if it's mostly online versus in person, that's a lot more about who you studied with and not like who you studied under, who was your I assume lab this is leader. In person. I don't know right. if there are any online PhDs for library science, but um, but it's sort of like if you, you know, maybe the University of Phoenix or whatever. Is that the scam one? <laughs> it's it's they, one of the many. Okay. Maybe um, they have one. They probably do. <laughs> um, but like, it's sort of, I can see where maybe someone says like, look, I have an obligation to kind of, even though this person's weeds, it's not my yard, right? Yeah. I can kind of say like, look, the weeds are going to drag down the value of the neighborhood a little bit. I don't really care if the person gets evicted, right? I don't need them to get evicted. I need the weeds gone and I don't care. Like, I'm not concerned with how the weeds get gone as much as I am that the weeds just go away. I suppose, but I also, I guess I counter to that and kind of like i mean my think my first thought when you say that is like i hear what you're saying in the currency and whatever right but i'm also like well does a academic program have a good reputation because like the students can't solve their problems between themselves and they're like constantly running to the professor to be like oh so and so is cheating and like i would be much more apt like because here's the other thing Towards the end of my undergrad degree, and I was taking, like, writing classes. And this was the time in school when I discovered the 
lesson that most people discover, which is like school is what you put into it. Mm-hmm. And like you can you can go and you could do the bare minimum for a lot of these classes and it was like an easy A. Right. But I was like, I want to like learn how to do this. This is enjoyable to me. So I did work harder. If somebody had like totally plagiarized some novel and just like brought it into class or whatever, I don't I may have said something, but if they were doing it on a discussion board or something like that, I don't think I would have because I think I'd be like, you know what? Like, fuck it. They're not going to get anything out of this class. I'm not getting anything out of this class. Or I'm going to get what I'm going to get out of this class. But what they're doing doesn't really affect what I get out of this class. And I guess having taken a lot of graduate classes that have discussion boards in them. Yeah. Most of them are not used very well. No. Like they're used as like a, here's a prompt to get you to think about something. Or here's, you know, I need you to just like do some kind of writing. I mean, I can see there's a value educationally, like not everyone is rapid fire in a seminar room. Sure. You know, and some people like to slow down their thinking or like be able to sort of prompt and write stuff out and draft. But sure. I mean, I think I, I, you know, I'm not arguing that the, the weeds house needs to be burned down and the person needs to be kicked out. Right. If I were, I imagine myself talking to student B, maybe not a student A, right? Mm-hmm. But a concern I would have with student B is like, there's a difference of I don't know, I don't really understand the academic rules. Yeah. Versus like, that could indicate a problem in doing a long research project. Sure. Right? Like, that can be a okay with this particular student. Um, this might be in, in the worst indicator is like, they're not really prepared to write a dissertation like at this point. Sure. Um, but then that's, that's a decision for that person's educators, right? not for their peers. Right. And like, that's, I think the thing that I didn't really agree with on this. Cause I was kind of like my, uh, my honest opinion was you should just message that person or talk to that person and say, like, I've noticed what you're doing. Right. And like, it seems like you're not citing sources or something is like, do we not have to do that? I'm confused, Mm -hmm. you know, but I was like, basically my thing was like, look, it seems like you got a big fucking problem with this. Maybe you should solve it yourself. Like be a grown up. I I think that like asking general clarification is not like, it's not avoiding the problem. Right. In that case, that's actually saying like, you can actually take that from a perspective of like, I want to do this right. Yeah. 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 And I need the directions to some degree to do this like in the most effective way. Right. So it's a way of saying like, if you clarify those expectations, um, it's sort of like if a professor doesn't expect, you know, citations and you know, yeah. Like it doesn't seem to hurt anybody in any way. Yeah. Um, I just like, I feel very strongly about it too though, because this is my own personal bias. Right. These people aren't going to be fucking doctors, like medical doctors. <laughs> like they're going to no. be teaching library science classes. And I'm kind of like, I mean, it's not the same thing as like a medical doctor who's like not doing their assignments where I'm like, that's going to fucking hurt somebody. Somebody who's like teaching library science in a university and who isn't great at it probably isn't gonna hurt anybody i mean it's probably not gonna cause a problem i don't think it's gonna cause any kind of like serious life-threatening problem yeah 
I mean, I think, again, it probably does come back to, like, whatever... You know, and this is also maybe making a big assumption that student B has, like, sprinkled or peppered in these things. Like, mm-hmm. if the whole thing is just copy-pasted from somewhere else, well, then I'm like, yeah. that's a little... That's different, because that's, like, someone... Sure. You know, I, I would like to think that most people, by the time they get to a PhD program, know that, like... You can't just copy-paste a whole block of text. Well, that's the other thing that I don't really... I I tend to not believe the person who is saying the plagiarization. Or I tend... I'm sure there's something like that going on, but I doubt that it's as obvious and drastic as they seem to think it is. Because it's like, why would you even... Why the fuck would you be in a PhD library science program and cheat through it? Like, why would you even... Enter into that if you didn't want to do it. I, you That's know, insane. I think there's some people who, and this is my own experience of like students who plagiarize. Like, yeah. Basically, there's three kinds. Okay. Um, one kind of person is actually the most, like they just tend to not understand the rules very well. Okay. Right? Like it's not really like they're trying to steal. They kind of don't get how the rules work. Right? Okay. And in some cases, like, that can seem very small and technical, but sometimes it can be, like, they're accustomed to maybe their high school or something sure. like that, where they could just do big blocks of text and nobody cared. But again, that's probably not someone in a PhD library science program. Probably not, but, you know, that's... Pop- you know, I mean, basically all you do in the master's program is, like, learn about citing sources right. and research and shit. Like, that stuff is, like, drilled into your brain mm-hmm. and is essentially worthless in 2019 but whatever the second type of person is a person who's um jammed up right they're just like too busy and they're like oh fuck it they're fuck it i just had a baby i'm not gonna do this i gotta get through this program sometimes when i say jammed up it can be like they have too much too many obligations Mm -hmm. they don't really have time to like write this out but they Mm -hmm. still need to turn it in or want to turn it in like it's an assignment they have Mm -hmm. to kind of do it um, a lot of cases, some of the students who are jammed up are ones who, like, English is not their strongest language. Oh, sure. You know, and that can be, like, that's also where it could happen in a PhD program, where, like, they had the language to, they felt confident in the language, like an undergrad and master's, it took a little while, and they're, like, they're in their first PhD class, and, like, oh, now I need the words in English yeah. and more complicated abstract things, and it's, like, hmm. you know, so that that happens, right? Students okay. says like, I need... But sometimes it's that, that's like basically the second group of students, the student who needs a shortcut. Right. Right. They know they're not supposed to do it, but they're taking a bit of a shortcut. Which I could see that's like a great argument for like, because to me, the way I see that is kind of like, well, look, it's really not equitable. Right. To force a student who... If it's going to take them like two hours to do a really short discussion board post that takes you 15 minutes, right? that doesn't really make sense to be like, well, they should just fucking spend the two hours then. Like, that's crazy. That, but that's also where, you know, the instructor is helpful in that regard because it could be like, look, this is going to take me way, an unreasonable amount of sure. time, you know, and for everyone else, it's reasonable. For me, it's not for whatever reason. But maybe that could also be... Uh, done by approaching the individual right you know and saying like what's going on with this because maybe then they can tell you like here's the problem i'm having Mm -hmm. and then you can say like then you can decide once again like well maybe i should get them some help with this or yeah maybe i'll just ignore it right because they actually do know what they're talking about 
they're just not able to put it into a discussion board format, which is not something that you're going to need to be able to do for this job anyway. Right. And then the first group um, is the least common group. They're the group who just like gets, you know, they're just kind of paying someone else to do this. Sure. Right. Which again, this is the least common group, the least likely group. Yeah. Um, I don't encounter these very much. You know, I got to believe too, that by the time you get to the PhD level, because it's like, if you're in a PhD library science program, you already have a master's degree. Right. And like, you don't really, the PhD, it's the only difference is if you wanted to teach library science classes versus doing any other library type thing. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, that's, it seems unlikely. It's not like a career path. Right. Let's put it that way. It's a little bit like if I was taking an MFA program and having someone write my short stories for me. It's like they'd be like, "What the fuck are you doing?" And those are the categories of things where pretty much anybody would know that what what someone's doing is wrong. You yeah, know, like where it's the it's most commonly like the undergraduate who's you know downloading an essay off you know online entirely, right. or like they're paying someone else to write the thing for them, like. And see, I get that a little bit more because I'm like, I don't know, you're fucking 19. You're taking right. some stupid ass class that you don't give a fuck about. And it's like, yeah, maybe I'm a sports and exercise science major. And it's like, okay, I had to read of mice and men and write an essay about it. And I'm like, I don't give a fuck about this. Right. This is dumb. This does not apply to me and my future. And like 19 year olds may think that way. And I can see why they would think that way. I don't agree with it necessarily, but we it can, makes sense to me. They're we, like, I'm on this path. Or I think it's a lot more likely, too, that like first couple years of college, there's probably a lot of kids there who are like, I don't even really want to be here. Right. But like, this is what you do. Mm-hmm. I mean, what am I going to do? I don't want to work at fucking Taco John's my entire life. There, there's or this I don't have yeah. a skill that I'm interested in or, you know, I don't, whatever. There's, There's a this, lot of yeah. pressure to go to a four-year college, right? which I don't necessarily think is absolutely crucial, but I'm sure there are many students who are just like, I don't, I don't know what else to do. And it's kind of like there's that path of least resistance. Like some yeah, students yeah. show up because it's the path of least resistance. Yes. That's also where it's good to, if you're sort of downloading the essay, you know, from the internet, yeah. you know, you're taking the path of least resistance again. Right, you're continuing on your set path. Your set path of least resistance, which is like, it shouldn't be surprising, but it's also a point of saying like, look, you don't want to be here. You don't want to write this essay. Yeah. Like, you know, and maybe this is where I get a little upset sometimes as an educator. I'm like, there's going to, if you have a seat in a limited class, someone else wants that seat. Sure. Right. And if you don't want to be there, right, and you're sort of just taking the path of least resistance, like that path of least resistance has consequences, right? Yeah. And that it has an impact, it should say. Like, it has an impact on yeah. somebody else. Yeah, I just... And that's, you know, to me, that's wrong to keep doing that. Like... Yeah. But this is, like, again, I find that highly unlikely I, in a PhD library science program. I think that's... That, that is right. not the path of least resistance. For no, sure. There's they, no way that you've just sort of coasted your way and you have not yet coasted to a stop and, and you're you, like you chose a library balls science. deep in a phd right. program in library science going like i don't even want to do this i mean i guess the other thing to think about you know and this is this i was listening to an art of manliness podcast okay where it was talking about like what it means to like have a team right 
Okay. And he was talking about like when he talks to his kids or when he talks to his, he's like a coach. Uh-huh. And when he talks to his coach, like, you know, when he's like his players, like he makes them say specifically like what their team standards are. Right. Uh-huh. Like, for example, it's not like, oh, I'm going to try 110% because that doesn't mean anything. Right. You can't hold anybody to account. Right? right. And so, like you would say, for example, like if we, if a classroom, right, was, if you assume this person is part of your community, mm-hmm. right, like somehow you're a team mm-hmm. with this person and this person is, um, like if one of the things your community has as a standard is like, we make our own work and we give credit to other people. Right? Sure. That's a good standard to have as a writer. Sure. You know, if you state that standard up front in the class. Sure. And someone's not doing that standard, right? Sure. It is okay from this coach's perspective, right? To be like, hey, you're not holding up a team, yeah. right? You're right. not doing what we said we're going to do as a team. Right. You know, we're holding you to it. Like, to me, I'm not on the idea of punishment. Yeah. You know, for student B, but I am on the idea of accountability for student B. Okay. Right. Like accountability still matters. Right. Like, yeah. Well, if they're jammed up in time, that might be a way of saying like, look, you're jammed up in time. We get it. We need to do better. Or if it's like, you didn't understand the standards very well. Like, okay, those need to be more clear, but now you do. Right. Well, let me tell you, I, let me tell you where I'm coming from, from this. Cause this is like my personal experience with this sort of thing. Mm -hmm. I used to have, there used to be these people who worked at my work who I disliked and they left like within a week of each other. And it was like the best week of my life. Doug and Jamie, um, sorry. <laughs> um, and so one of them I had occasional conflicts with. We'll call this person Beavis. Beavis, I would have occasional conflicts with. Mm-hmm. Now, her boss was Butthead. Yes. And so when I had a conflict with Beavis, now this was not a conflict where it was like I was screaming at this person or telling them that they're stupid. Right. It was a conflict along the lines of they're saying we should do this such and such a way. And I say, I think maybe we should do it such and such a way. And this person was not very good at handling criticism um, and had these incidents with others besides myself. So what Beavis would do is then tell Butthead, who's her boss. Butthead would then tell my boss, who was then supposed to discipline me um, for whatever. Right. And then basically by the time it got there, then my boss would call me into our office and be like, okay, well, here's what's going on. But like, I was in the habit at that point of keeping my boss very in the loop about right. these things. And so she'd be like, so I, I already know what's going on with this and like, whatever. I'm just, I'm telling you that her, that butthead told me, look, and I'm look, telling you what she told I, me. We're all doing the compliance thing. Exactly. Right? Instead of telling Beavis to grow the fuck up. Right. Right. Or like, or Beavis telling me mm-hmm. like, Hey, when you talk to me that way, it makes me feel like this. Right. It's like, I'm going to go tell butthead that you're being mean to me. Who's then going to go tell your boss to do something about it. But then that's never going to be satisfactory. Cause it's like, okay, so you're taking your issue, sending it to your boss, who's sending it to my boss, who's then supposed to apply it to me. But my boss is like, I don't see any problem here. And there's also so far removed. Like this is where the discussion board is a little different. Cause like you could point it out to the hypothetically, you could point it out to the professor, but well, sure. But yeah, point being, mm-hmm. I'm really not a fan of like, this is, and this would happen to me in my old job a lot. Someone would be like, uh, someone in the study room next to me is being loud. And I was like, I, 
couldn't say this to them because I'm at work, but I'm like, so you walked across the entire library to come tell me that the person next to you is being too loud without knocking on the door and just saying like, it's kind of loud. Can you guys just keep it down a little bit? Right. Like, (laughs) so, and you is like, this was adults, Mm -hmm. frequent adults. And they're not, we're not talking about like the person next to them looked like a biker who was cooking meth. It was like a couple of teenagers. And I'm like, you can just knock on the door and be like, can you guys keep it down a little bit? You're losing the opportunity to promote the uh, holiday meth cooking classes at the library district. <laughs> yeah. Like, Learn you know, how to make meth. Break bad. Yeah, so get some nutmeg in there. <laughs> like, that's really... The white girls will be all over that pumpkin spice meth. Oh, God. <laughs> that, um, that sounds like something that would have come out at Santa Rampage, which we should also loop back to in this yeah. long okay, episode. Okay, let's stop talking about this because I don't care anymore. Basically, um, student A, be a good model... Don't do this stuff. Don't get interested in punishment. Kind of not your job. But this is my, my my asterisk for this one. Any group project, you know, if the professor links you different two together. Story. Different story. Different story. Nuke them, like, or at least protect yourself. That's right? fine. If you're in a group project and someone's fucking it up, it's fine. Right. It's fine to be like, I did all the work. And that's totally different. Okay. Okay. Uh, should we talk about Polar Express or Vasectomy Express? I think we should talk about Polar Express because it's more recent. And we talked about the Vasectomy on the Polar Express. So I think of like, let's go big and then go small. Okay. Like a Russian nesting doll. You and I talked about it? Um, I talked with it. Um, and when I, when I say talk on the Polar Express, there was not a lot of like... Shouting over the first 45 seconds of several different Lizzo songs. <laughs> yes. Or like in this case, like Christmas songs. So I sort of had some shouting about it with a uh, friend of the show, Doug. Okay. Um, I, I assume Doug is a listener. I have no idea. Probably yeah, not. Probably not. And a friend of the show, Alec. Okay. Who is likely a listener. Maybe. I don't know. I honestly have no idea who listens anymore other than the people who tweet at me about it. Right. Matt. Mm-hmm. And then... Jen occasionally. Yeah. And then donors, I assume, listen to it. Because like, it, it would be... In, well, I don't think Poonmaster Flex is a regular listener. So w- it's entirely possible that other regular donors are also <laughs> I would say I am like probably a solid 80% listener in that That's I listen to good. about like... I listen to every episode, but maybe not all the way through. That's fine. Um, and I kind of, you know, I get the thing. But the Polar Express. Yeah, yeah, okay. So every year we have our Santa Rampage. Santa Rampage. Which is interesting. I just saw that um, John Oliver was talking about SantaCon. Right. Um, which is like the New York version, I guess. And and it's, it's like the low-key inspiration for this or like similar idea. Kind of. Well, here's... My inspiration from this came from Chuck Palahniuk's Fugitives and Refugees, okay. which is the chronicle of Portland, Oregon that does not exist anymore Sure, because there's too much money there and it's, you know. Gentrification happens, right? Like maybe, maybe that's a thrown around term, but like money moved in. Yeah, I I would say that term is overly thrown around. However, it seems very true in like San Francisco, Portland, few other places there's places denver new york yeah like you can say like gentrification happened to portland and squished out this culture that chuck well here's what i would say i don't think it's like 
necessarily squeezed out the culture, but it's kind of like um, Santa Rampage, as it originally existed, from my perspective, was basically about like, okay, it's like, imagine Burning Man. Right. Burning Man basically existed originally because you have these people who have these like high pressure jobs and whatever. And they're like, I kind of want to just like go out somewhere for like three days, not be responsible for shit, do mushrooms, listen to music and just kind of escape my real life. Um, You had some artists who maybe said like, I want to do some genuinely weird, crazy shit. I would like to do, I would like the option to be somewhat transgressive. Right. Um, whether that's through art, drugs, whatever. I want, you know, in some ways it's sort of like a, um, it's like a short term, uh, rumspringa, like that the Amish yes, people do, where it's exactly. like the, I need to do something that artistically or chemically or sexually or whatever it is, where it's like the, I'm going to do this for like a few days. And I'm going to go back to my life. I have no intention of taking this art piece or whatever home with me. As Chuck described it like later, cause he talks about liminal spaces. Right. And he talked about basically like, so burning man comes into existence because you've got like a guy who let's say he's a letter carrier mm-hmm. and he's like the way that I can continue to live my life as a letter carrier is knowing that later this year, I'm going to go to Burning Man. I'm going to have a fucking great time. I can be my authentic self. I cannot think about how much I hate being a letter carrier. And then I'll go back to being a letter carrier. Right. So it's like time to not be yourself. And so that's kind of the spirit that I took it in. Mm-hmm. Now I'm, I think it's been a little bit SantaCon and like in Portland has probably been co-opted for the most part by just like, Drunken frat boys. It's sort of like type of thing. Yeah, like the idea of it is you want it to be something weird and different that you couldn't be the rest of the year. But yes. it gets co-opted by the people who are basically like the same person but in a Santa outfit. Exactly. Know, or, they're doing the same thing they would be doing on a Saturday night, but they're just doing it with these other people now because it's like oh, I, it's like right. it's like it's turned into a basically a St. Patrick's Day. Mm-hmm. Where you're just like, well, you're just getting shit-faced in the middle of the day, which I'm fine with. Right. Sometimes John Oliver, I'm like, John Oliver doesn't like fun. I'm like... <laughs> well, he, he's British, so of course not. I know. You know, like... I thought there fun was... Fun is an expression of an emotion or a feeling, which he is deeply uncomfortable <laughs> with. Well, there were a couple like that one, or, you know, the... Uh, uh, there was one about pro wrestling, which I felt like people were really into... Because I was like, well, yeah, everyone who watches this is a fucking nerd. And like, I don't, I don't think any of this was a surprise to people who follow pro wrestling. Like, it's like Vince McMahon isn't like a fucking reputable businessman. What do you mean they don't provide health care to wrestlers in their old age? And it's like, no fucking shit. Like, like a lot of people who follow wrestling enough, you yeah. know, like kind of get that you know but sure. like yeah i think i think most people who follow wrestling it's like people who are real into football i think they're aware of like sub concussive injury and how bad this is and stuff and it's like well you just kind of have to engage in some cognitive dissonance to enjoy this there's and that's what i'm gonna do there are some people who should know and don't and this is like a small category of people like i remember seeing like the john oliver thing did show clips from like sports reporters uh-huh. where they were talking about like some of the smaller 
indignities of professional wrestling, like having to drive themselves from event to event. Sure. And they're like, wait, what? You have to do that? Like, sure. you're, you're, there's not like a bus or something or like some. I, yeah, I yeah, get it. But like yeah. this fucking some fucking idiot who doesn't know shit about fuck. Right. That does not impress me much. Or it's the, it's the thing of like saying, like, I know someone was treated poorly. I didn't know how poorly. Right. Yeah, like yeah. you could be like, OK, it gets it gets down to like not just well screw you. It's like, no, fuck you. Yeah. You're like, oh, OK. I didn't know it was that bad. Point being, I felt like an expose on pro wrestling was like. I was like, stay in your lane, John Oliver. Calm down. Because it's like, if you want to see that, there are many other things that you can watch. You know, was that beyond the mat or whatever? Well, I think a lot of, I mean, I would say maybe I had a different takeaway from John Oliver's thing. As Uh he was encouraging, like saying like, um, if you're sort of a fan, right? And you don't like this thing, like go out and be the wrestling fan. Like he doesn't say like, don't be a wrestling fan anymore. Yeah. He says like, be a wrestling fan. Hold up the sign that says, "Like give wrestlers health care." You know, like yeah, that's the sort but of no action. No one's gonna you can fucking do, do that. Be- I'm not gonna go to a Metallica concert and be like, "End world hunger." But that's what, like, like but uh, part on. of the point of the segment is he says that pro wrestling fans have done that. Sure, like they have done that, and sort of saying like, he's not telling them like what to do. He's reminding some of those fans like, "You've done this before." Yeah, you, know, yeah. you can do it again. Yeah, sort of. Maybe, maybe he's not the right messenger for that. But in yes. some ways, like he's also talking to the uh, nerdy non wrestling fan audience, who's like, "Ooh, those you know unwashed masses." If nothing else, that segment calls out a lot of people who love something, you know, and don't actually do any activism to change the thing, like to make something behave better. Okay, but here's what I don't like about it is right. I feel like it's someone from outside the subculture critiquing the subculture, and I think that's not necessarily a great thing. And I feel like I don't like when people advocate for change by telling everyone else how they can change. John Oliver ain't going to a fucking wrestling match and holding right. up a sign. I And neither are 99% of the people who are like huge John Oliver fans. I, I'm going to say that maybe with John Oliver, like the lane part is a little trickier just because like, if you think of like WWE, right. As entertainment. No. Yeah. Like, um, no, come on. But I, I, maybe this so is, is getting, Larry, the cable guy. Right. I mean, but, come on. but I think this is getting a little far afield. Also John Oliver in the love guru, by the way, oh. which I'm sure he would like everyone to forget. We were, like, flipping through Netflix because I was like, oh, all these, like, weird Mike Myers movies are popping now, up. Now, I do have a defense. There's <laughs> there's an actual cultural defense of some of this, is that there's a British theater tradition uh-huh. of, like, if someone offers you a part, you take it. Uh, you know, like, yeah. and that seems strange to say, but, like, there's a sort of, that there's an older British tr- theater tradition of, like, you don't turn down work. I get it. But also, I'm like, I bet he's not, like, real happy about that. I'm sure he's not. I I would doubt that he would defend. <laughs> like, it's oh gosh, Michael Caine. I think talked about being in Jaws. Michael Caine three. did sure, yeah. and he had said like, paid for my pool. Yeah, right. He, he was not like, but that's also that sort of British thing of like you're never ashamed of what you did. Right. Like you don't be like, oh, that thing is terrible. You're like, look, I did it for money. It was a job, and I did the best I could. Well, here's the problem, though. Right. Michael Caine is not now hosting a show where he's basically crapping on other people for doing, like, questionable shit. So it's like, all right, but if you're going to, like, take other people to the mat 
for their questionable decisions. <laughs> like, I, <laughs> yeah, I don't think he was taking wrestling fans to the mat. I think he was taking Vince McMahon, who yeah. is a is a billionaire owner of a you know of pro wrestling and has some questionable business practices, which sure. is like Vince McMahon has access to the White House on a regular basis. Like in terms of punching up, like Vince McMahon is a pretty big up in. Yeah, I'm just more interested in like uh, Steve Allman wrote this book about football that right. was like against football, but he was a football fan. And kind of the premise of the book was like, I can't do it anymore. Like, mm-hmm. I kind of want to. I kind of want to enjoy it, but I just can't. And here's why. That to me was like much better. I think that was a much better angle to come at it from because he's like, he's speaking to other fans, fellow fans. As opposed to what felt to me like speaking down to fans of something. And I didn't care for it. Um, we're getting right. way off track. I think, yeah, we're whatever. So Santa, Santa, Santa Rampage. Page. Right. So I started doing it because basically I was like, well, this sounds really fun. And I wish I lived somewhere where fun things like this happened. Right. And so then I was like, well... Maybe when you live in Greeley, Colorado, you just have to make the fun things yourself. Like, you can't wait for somebody else to make it for you. Someone in Portland had to make that, right? Someone started it, Someone started it. Like, it wasn't there before. Right. You know, like, sometimes we... You see something, like, you see something or, like, a subculture or a party or an event, and you think it just occurs, but someone had to plan it out and do it. Someone did it. Right. At some point. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, and so I was like... I guess maybe that's when you grow up because you're right. like, well, wait a minute. Some fucking idiot over there did it. So I could certainly do it. You took Gandhi's advice and wanted to be the change you wanted to see in the world. And the change you decided you want to see in the world was a bunch of drunken Santas. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So this year, so every year has been a little different. It's mm-hmm. had sort of a, I would call a light theme. Um, like last year we did like a mini golf tournament right. in Santa regalia. Um, I can't even remember what some of the other things were. Like some of the other years, I mean, the first, the very first year was out of hand drunkenness and yeah. just a general out of handness because it was the first year. Well, then like that, out of hand though, I just want to be clear. Right. People are not like doing property damage. They're not like fist fighting people. No. It's just like they're being very drunk. They're getting emotional. Right. But it's not like, I'm not trying to excuse horrible illegal behavior it's just like people being this is very standard rumspringa behavior right like people who are normally upstanding citizens most of the year yes doug excluded you would find them very obnoxious if you were stone sober right but like if you're out at a bar on a saturday night and it's like five days before christmas you're like "Eh, Mm -hmm. whatever it's fun most of the places we've gone have been very accepting Right. There have been a couple that have been a little too highfalutin and didn't, you know, want a bunch of Santas in there or something. Bricks Tap House. So I still don't like that place, but... They're, yeah, like, some of them seem very strange. Like, some are like a little more wary. Yeah. Frankly, um, most of these are in Greeley, Colorado, and during the time close to Christmas, because most of the college students have left... There's nobody there. Um... 
most of the people are either kind of like wary or generally accepting because it's like it's business it's money it's something to do yeah. you know like they're not going to turn down money i think they're mostly wary until everybody comes in and is like i'll have five shots of bourbon right and then they're like okay <laughs> like, and they're like money is all of a sudden secured my lack of concern oh you're in the bar because you want drinks perfect right we're good um but most years tend to be like i would say that most years tend to resemble each other like the the games in between change. Sure. The events change. Yeah. Some of the cast changes from year to year. It always changes a little. Um, so this year, I decided to do a brand new theme. Brand new theme. Um, and it was the Polar Express. And so what it was, was we got a with bus. With Tom Hanks. With Tom. CGI. Tom Hanks. Creepy CGI Tom Hanks. So we got a bus and uh, picked everyone up at home. And then went to some bars that are further afield yes more rural places yes because we can't make it to them on foot and most, like whatever most of the time when we do santa rampage we do it in downtown Greeley, which has a healthy number of bars for what we need to do in walking distance of each other plenty of bars in like a four square blocks right which is so enough it's yeah easy. enough it's easy for people you to walk spend to. like five minutes outside right um, but it does limit your options mm -hmm. because it's like, all right, if we're going to be in walk, because here's the thing, there's kind of like a, that three or four blocks that's got a bunch of bars, right? but then there's nothing for like a mile in any direction. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can go north, there's nothing. You go east, there's houses. Right. You go west, there's houses. And you go south and there's nothing. I mean... You can kind of, like, and there's some sort of satellite breweries or things that are slightly outside of that that area. You know, like, even then, like, if we want to go to certain places, that becomes, like, a destination. Well, yeah, and it becomes, like, a 15-plus-minute walk one way. Right. And so it's like, well, is it worth going to the Chiba Hut for 15 minutes? I don't mind. Mm -hmm. But as the organizer of the event... If you send people on a 15-minute walk, plus being December, it can be like 10 degrees outside. We had one famous year where it was fucking freezing. It was under zero, I think. Oh, it was below zero. It, it was well below zero. It was zero. like 10 below with wind chill. It was fucking cold. <laughs> so that, that's one of the years that stands out to me as like the year where I think I felt sober the most because I was so cold most of the time. It was a very sobering experience. I remember Jen walking from uh, bar to bar. Just saying the words cold, 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 yeah. cold, cold, cold over it, and over again. It was crazy. Like, it was not safe to be outside. Right. Anyway, so this year we did a different way. Mm -hmm. So we, uh, we got the bus. We picked up some people. We strung some lights up in the bus. Right. I think I had probably somewhere around 90 beers on the bus. And everyone brought a signature cocktail. There was a <laughs> lot of booze on the bus. Yeah. And I think that... Um, I can talk about my perspective of what, you know, what has changed from various years. Sure. But one of the things I think that's worth highlighting is that on the bus, because um, there's a partition between us and the driver. Yeah, yeah. We could drink on the bus. Yes. And people did drink on the bus. A lot. Uh, quite a bit. And that's a big difference because when you have the bus, you can drink on the bus. When right. we're meeting for the regular thing, you can only drink in a bar because mm -hmm. you're you can't drink like between the bars. So you're basically it. So it's not like you can bring a sixer and then <laughs> be drinking all night. 
It's kind of like, well, we go to a bar, but we try and leave after about an hour. Right. Um, And most people, most of the time, they will have their drinks in the bar. And in most Santa Rampages, because there'd be like a game outside or something in between, everyone had to like stop drinking. Yes. At various points. Like they had to say like, okay, I have to stop drinking. And sometimes that's where that 15 minute or 10 minute walk one way is very helpful. Sure. Because someone has to be like... 10 minutes they let whatever drinks they had like sort of get into their system so they show up at the next place and they're not thinking like i need five shots well the other thing is when you when you're on the bus and it's like the lights are on the music's blaring and whatever and you're seated right you're just sitting there so you can have a couple drinks and then it's when you stand up to get off the bus that you're like oh shit right i've been drinking Mm -hmm. clearly and yeah you're you're on the bus, you're drinking instant in, in many ways, like we would go from place to place and the drinking never really stopped. No, there's like, no reason for it to. It was like you would be drinking on the bus, then you get off and go into a bar right. where you get a drink and then usually end up drinking that fairly quickly to get back on the bus to continue drinking on the way to the next <laughs> place where we would do more drinking. Like, definitely a difference was the bus, and maybe this is something where you have the perspective as an organizer. Mm. One of the things that's challenging about a Santa Rampage most of the time is corralling people to leave. Yes. Yes. Um, Because, like, half the people are outside, half the people are, like, inside, settling tabs, going to the bathroom, just distracted. And so... I think this lights a fire under people because they don't want to be left behind. Right. But also because they're not going to an unknown whatever. Because like, okay, if we're if we're bar hopping and we end up at one bar and someone's like, I like this bar. Mm-hmm. So maybe when other people are ready to leave, half the group is like, I don't know, I'd kind of stick around here longer. And then also as people kind of, one thing too this year, the bars were pretty small. Yes. Um, and not crowded. Yes. And so it was... It, usually it's pretty easy to get separated and split up and whatever, but this year it was pretty easy to tell like when we're all leaving. Most of the bars we went to on the Polar Express were small bars in northern Colorado. Yeah, Alt Eaton, etc. Alt Eaton, Severance, like towns that are, most of the people listening to this are probably familiar with Greeley. Yeah. But if we said like Alter Eaton, they might know like geographically where that is. Sure. But... Um, it's very small town. Yes. I mean, very, we, the one we went to at all, there was literally no one inside. Yes. One guy came in halfway through us being there. Mm-hmm. It was empty, except for the bartender. And we pretty much filled it. We right. had like 17 people and pretty much filled the bar. Yes. So like, I'm sure that Saturday, the owner looked at the tabs and the revenue and was like, what the fuck happened today? Especially given that um, one of the things that's also worthwhile to say is that we started much earlier in the day. Like normally Santa Rampage is an evening event. And this year it was an afternoon event. Now I have a a guess as to why. Mm -hmm. Is that the Polar Express bus is cheaper during the day than it is to rent at night. No, it was more because knowing that it would be... So one thing that's disadvantageous in some ways about a bus Mm -hmm. Uh, if you're planning a party is that like it's not really possible for people to abandon early right so like if someone came to a santa rampage and they're two hours in and they're done right um they can be done they can just leave 
But on the bus, you don't really have that option as much. I mean, you you could, but it's a lot more of an effort. And so, like, uh, out of respect for that fact, I was like, well, maybe we should do it earlier and end earlier rather than, like, planning to end at 2 a.m. I think I actually appreciated the earlier start. Yeah. Because it felt like... um, in some ways, like, I like, you know, staying up all, you know, it's fun to stay up all night and party, but it was also nice to be like, you know, I can go home, you know? Well, you know, the other thing about it is I think doing the bus enabled us to do that because the thing is, I I wouldn't want to start early if we were in downtown Greeley. Right. Because I feel like one o'clock in downtown Greeley is like appropriate family time. Yes. I feel like 1030 p.m., not really appropriate family time or like i feel like that's when we're transitioning here and it's like eh, if somebody's loudly saying fuck in a bar at 10 30 p.m i'm like that's fine if someone's loudly saying fuck in a bar at 2 30 in the afternoon right and there's like a kid eating a quesadilla two booths away we're being the assholes now i will say that maybe as a side tangent one of the bars i think that now i was kind of disoriented as to like which town we were in at a given time sure which is the other thing with being on the party bus which is like there's a lot of distortion of like place in particular Uh because it's just like on a bus Uh and then you get off on the bus and you're like in a spot yeah and then you get back on the bus and unless you're paying attention to like landmarks and things going on outside like Yeah, yeah you know or you have a really good sense of like where the roadmap is going. It's definitely designed to be disorienting. Um, but there's one bar which I believe was an alt, um, where it had a surprising number of kids in it. Like, which is to say that there were kids in it. That was probably the one in Eaton. Was Eaton. that the one where because they have a restaurant yeah. in the front yeah, and right. a bar in the back? Yes. So yeah, the restaurant part had kids in it. Right. But that was like one thirty in the afternoon. Right. But um, then the bar part didn't really have a lot of kids in it. But that was the only exceptional thing where it felt like there was a kid yeah. present, but not... Like, if we were in Greeley, there'd be kids everywhere. Yes. Pretty much. Um, there's also something to be said that, like, doing it during during the rampage during the day in Greeley would make doing the... Like, I think we get away with a lot of the games. Yeah. Because it's at night, and so it's yeah, a little yeah. harder to see yeah, what's going on. Yeah, you couldn't do it at 1.30. At 1.30, there'd be enough people walking around or curious as what's going on. Yeah. You know, there'd be you like... You couldn't be doing a shot ski out on the street at 1.30 in the afternoon. Right. Like, you probably wouldn't get away with that. But we could do that to some degree when we're in the middle of nowhere, mm-hmm. and also that's easier to do at nighttime. Mm-hmm. Um, but... A big difference with the Polar Express, and maybe you can describe this as an organizer, it felt like the games portion fell apart much faster. It did, although I lost, well, my stickers were stolen. My prize stickers were stolen from me. So the sort of points and scoring system uh, sort of got disrupted because someone, a, a reveler stole the stickers. Yes, but also, I think every year the games fall apart earlier than one would think right it it has to do a lot with how late in the day you started feeling it because like the year i was sober for example uh the games fell apart almost immediately yes and i was like i planned all these games but like there's no way there's just no way like i had definitely 
one other pretty big game for us to play. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was it towards the end, and I was like, not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> I think that um, games seem to also be about, like, if you have a core group of people, maybe I can also say that I've, as weird as it sounds on Helpful Snowman, because I'm famous for losing games on this show. Yeah, yeah. I actually do pretty well in Santa Rampage games. Well, you um, you take the game seriously. I, I, you get competitive. I I feel like I show up to play, right? Yeah. And I I think that's part of why when we have divide up to teams, there's almost always a team Ian because team Ian is going to show up to play. Well, I think they also feel confident. Like, all right, if there's some shit I don't really want to do, like he's going to still do it. Right. <laughs> he's going to figure out a way to get it done. He just wants to. Right. Well, I think the games too are like. They are divisive in a certain extent because it's the divisive. Some people just show up to drink. Right. And some people show up for the whole thing. Um, but I, I don't know. I think the games add a nice component to the whole thing. It turns it into just from a bar crawl. Because I'm like, well, we could just do that anytime we wanted. I mean. I think the games can also ha- spur like a conversation or like yes. weird events of like... um. For example, one of the things we kind of have, like a, a sort of a common game is a scavenger hunt of some kind. Yes. Right? That's sort of the common yes. thing of like you have to do X, Y, Z things. Yes. And so, for example, um, you know, one of the things we did as different ways of um, competing is we had to drink the three wise men. Yes. Jack, Jim, and Jose. Right. Now, our team interpreted that as like we had one shot of each. Yeah. And another team just got them all ported to one glass. Well, I, which I got both the story are, on that later, which was basically that someone ordered it. Right. And that's how the bartender that's interpreted how the bartender it. Interpreted she was it. like, that's what you ordered. And he was like, oof. <laughs> Not really, but okay. But I like, then I recognize that both, you know, both things are legitimate, but like, there's also a good one of, um, and this year we had to photograph it on a small digital camera yes like a hannah montana camera Montana or a children's um door of the explorer knockoff camera in some cases we had to have like the manliest person with the girliest drink we could find yes and then the girliest person with the manliest drink we could find yes and so we had the interesting discussions of who is the manliest and who is the girliest person on your team and also what it counts as a manly drink or a girly drink exactly and it's like, this is where, like, Peter becomes, like, Machiavellian. Right. Because that's the whole point, is that, like, people are discussing that. And then, you know, someone's like, okay, well, you should do this, because you're the girliest person on the team. And they're like, what the fuck? Why am I the girliest person on the team? You know, and it, and it, the other thing is, I think the games help. This is like Peter's party planning FAQ. Right. The games get people to talk to each other who might not otherwise talk to each other. Because uh, this is a disparate group of friends. Like some people are people I knew from work. Some people are like family. Some people are just friends. And some people are like friends of friends or like friends of friends show up. Tinder dates come along. (laughs) Like it's just, it's whoever. Mm -hmm. So you're like, well, if somebody brings a date, for example, and no one really knows them, it's nice for them, I think, to be able to have... If you have a scavenger hunt, that gives you something to talk about. It, it gives you something to center activity around. You don't just have to like make up small talk. Right. You can just be like, let's talk about how we're going to do this. It's uh, Jen has been reading some books about networking, like professional yeah, yeah. networking and how, kind of how to do that. And one of the things that's hard is like if you're not a, like not a really outgoing person. Yes. 
you know, if you're a really outgoing person, you wouldn't need the structure of a game. Right. You know, um, but the game gives people who are maybe even with your friends, right? Because I'm, I'm like sort of in the core sample of your friends, you've probably got some, I describe as maybe introverted or maybe not the most outgoing oh, totally. yeah. people. And then you yeah, got like yeah. Alec on the other side. who's <laughs> <laughs> kind of like Alec and Julia who kind of compensate for the rest of us. Yeah. Um, but it gives those people like a ta- like a goal or a purpose, which makes like networking yes. and talking to people easier. Like totally. I don't really want to, so it'd be like, I don't really want to talk to Doug, but we got to get this done. Yeah. You know, well, like Tom, when he did his workshops, he used to the workshop, like, you know, if you did like a two month cycle, right. The two months would start with usually a project like in his garden or at his house, Mm -hmm. like a work, actual physical project that the students all had to do. Mm -hmm. And he did it with them too. But that was like the way of sort of breaking down those barriers, getting people to talk to each other. And when you have a task that everyone's working together on, right. Even if you're like super introverted or whatever, you'll be like, can you hand me that shovel? Can you do this? Can you help me with this? And so then you start to like uh, become a more cohesive group. Right. Because you have something centered to talk to people about. Mm Because yeah, like you said, some people can just do that naturally and they don't need any sort of like prompting or whatever. It's like, it's a much better version to me of like when you have a work meeting and they're like, let's do an icebreaker, like two truths and a lie. Right. And you're like, like, I just, I don't want to, I don't care. People always just say things that I'm like, "Eh, whatever. But like having the games, um, it gives people at least a jumping off point. The games fall, the games always fall apart. But by the time they fall apart, no one gives a fuck. Right. Like everyone's just like, "Eh." well, me and one of the the Koreos both all seem to give a fuck. Sure, but yeah. that's because like there's like the I want to win. Yes, you know, and the but that's you know the will to win. The yeah. will to win sort of perseveres. Yes, um, but yeah, I think that's like that's probably the thing of the games is they they I think they help ease into the night right. a little bit, and it's like well if you have the two social lubricants of well three games. Everyone is sort of teamed up by being dressed ridiculously. Right. And that kind of makes you bond with the other people you're with. And uh, booze. Mm -hmm. I mean, what more can you get? You've got the sort of the team colors, everyone's lubricated, and you got a game. Well, and I think part of the games, too, is the games, usually there's some element to at least something that's like a little bit embarrassing or humiliating or something like that. But it's kind of like, I think if you can embarrass yourself in front of other people to even a small extent, like even if that means like, I wrote a hippity hop ball up and down the street Mm -hmm. in front of these people, I think that makes you better able to like bond with them. Because you're like, okay, you're not as guarded. Right. Because you're like, well, how uppity am I going to be if I just fucking wrote a hippity hop ball up and down the street? If I just put on a bunch of thongs from a tanning salon. When you have to share a urinal with another man. Yeah. Or, you know. Yeah. Am I going to be all uptight with them right. two minutes later? Maybe. Yeah. But, you know, or like this year, everyone had to have a diaper. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you don't have to wear it, but you got to keep it on you at all times. And it's like, yeah, how how up, how up highfalutin are you going to be carrying around a diaper all night? Well, I, I will say that I think everyone else did it. Well, I'm not going to say they did it wrong. But I like, wore the diaper. I also well. wore the diaper because Even that though was, I wasn't really participating. Honestly, I wore the diaper because I was like, you know what I can't do if I'm wearing the diaper? 
lose it. Yeah. Can't lose a diaper if it's on your body. I was just like, fuck it. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's, I think that's part of it too, is like getting to that not proud space. Right. I think pride is the enemy of fun mm-hmm. for sure. And so it's like, let's just do away with that as quickly as possible. Uh-huh. So since you did the Polar Express, maybe it's good to have um, some highlights. Right? Okay. Rather than go through like, because I think the, like the play-by-play is going to be like, we went to, yeah, that's, we went to dive bar. No one cares there about was that. drinks. Yeah. Um, so we'll start off with the, uh, why don't we start off with something simple? Your moment of, as, as the organizer of the event, when you looked upon Santa Rampage, think of a moment of pride where you're like, this, <laughs> this is working. This is doing what I want it to do. Um, boy, that's a tough one. I mean, I think, I think there was just a point where I was like, we were on the bus mm-hmm. and I was standing at the front of the bus and like the lights are going and it was dark and it was just like everybody was talking right. extremely loud, you know, every, but it seemed like everybody was having a good time. Mm-hmm. And that's like always the big thing for me. Cause like, I'm usually unsure. I'm like, I don't know. Did people have fun? Did they right. like it? Whatever. And Poon Master Flex is always like, yeah, people had a great time. Like it was fun. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about it. But I'm always like, I'm concerned with people having a good time. Um, and I did feel at that point, I was like, this is working. Right. Because it was, it's pretty different from years past. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I don't know. Is this a good, is this going to be better? Or is this going to not be better? But I was like, I think it's better. I think it's working. Like, it, like this worked out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was like, people are having fun. Okay. Um, best drink you had during Santa Rampage? Um. Well, when we got to our second stop, I just immediately bought two shots of whiskey. Mm-hmm. And I think I drank it with probably Douglas. Mm-hmm. That was the best drink as far as just like straight up. The, mm-hmm. It was like a little toast and a little, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, but as far as the cocktails people brought, I only had probably, I probably sampled four or five, but I didn't have like a that many total drinks for background and context um everyone was asked to bring a sort of cocktail yes um holiday cocktail, a holiday themed cocktail um the the cocktail contest didn't really happen but i think since they got consumed for the most part i don't think anybody cared yeah, exactly it was that was going to be more of a like straight up contest but then i started to realize like this is impossible to organize right. in any way. So I was like, if I did that again, I would be like, okay, we're going to pick like a panel of judges mm-hmm. and they can judge the cocktails and whatever. Um, hmm. I had a lot of cocktails. I'm not sure whose was whose or what they were. <laughs> to yeah. be honest. So there's like... <laughs> I remember staying away from a lot of cocktails because a lot, a lot of people... Of cream. A lot of people... like a. People, helpful snowman listeners, expand your palates a little bit. I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna call people up to say like your holiday cocktail doesn't need to have a bunch of cream in it. I guess, I'm like, I, yeah, you know, like go, go, go a little further. 
You know, it was honestly pretty good, mm. even though she mostly drank it herself. What? Poonmaster Flex made, uh, it was super simple. It was just cider with fireball in it. Oh, it was yeah. pretty good. You know, that's actually pretty solid. It sounds like it'd be a pretty solid flavor combination too. Like it wouldn't be too sweet. It yeah. wouldn't be too. No, it was good. I tried to make a cocktail. So we had a golf tournament where I made a coffee whiskey cocktail. Right. That actually I thought was pretty good. Like I enjoyed it. Um, but this one, I, <laughs> so I, I combined the coffee and whiskey. Right. Um, like I soaked the, I ground the coffee and soaked it in the, the whiskey overnight, like mm-hmm. cold brew or something. Right. And then I, but I added like nutmeg, cinnamon, vanilla, um, something else. It, yeah, there's some it was a holiday little, spices and... It was a little overwhelming. The holiday spices, like, it was very much a taste of, like... There'd be a taste of coffee. Yeah. And a little bit of that hint of booze. Yeah. And then sort of being, like, trying to swallow a whole nutmeg. Yeah, like you're eating a pine cone or something. Right, like it, you're, you're... It was just, I think it was too many flavors too competing too hard with each other it was yeah and it was when i was making it i was like real unsure because i was like i don't really know how much spice to put in here um because i kept adding a little bit but then i was like it just smells like booze right because it's whiskey Mm -hmm. so it obviously just smells like booze and what i should have done is probably got out like a measuring spoon Mm -hmm. and been like okay Let's say this is 12 ounces of whiskey. That's approximately right. 12 drinks. So maybe this should have the about the amount of spice in it that like 12 cupcakes would have. Right. Because then you would get about the amount of spice you would get in one cupcake. Mm-hmm. Except then that doesn't work either because like besides the spices in a cupcake, you've got like flour. Right. And it doesn't taste like anything. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I was like, eh, kind of a failed attempt here. But on the other hand my cocktail came in the trophy right. that the winner took home. So I didn't have to keep it. So it's <laughs> like, whatever it's gone. It's like, what a, did you make? I don't think I had what you made. I was lazy and I just got some port and mm-hmm. some Prosecco mm-hmm. and just sort of mixed those together. Okay. Um, it's actually likely to be the holiday drink, uh, at our house for Christmas. So I guess, uh, this is our mom's experiment. Fizzy wine, yeah, champagne kind of, thing. And it's, it's one of those things, like, it's not bad. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it's a little heavier than just drinking Prosecco by itself. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it's got a wine flavor, but not a sweet right. wine flavor. Like, especially if you don't really like port very much, you know, it sort of dries Makes it sense. out a little bit. What um, was the, uh, did you have a favorite? Wait, are you, you should ask me these questions. Okay. And then I'll ask you these questions, um, I guess. Hardest Rampager. Like, not drunkest person necessarily, but the person you felt like who was going maximum rampage. Just full speed. Right. Boy, that's tough. There were some... There was a good set of people who were there to drink. Right. There were some people who did not drink very much. Like, I feel like the chasm this year was very wide, but people were on one side or the other. There was, like, people who were... All guns blazing, drinking. Yeah. And then there were people who were barely drinking at all. Like, yeah, there was not, there was nobody in, you're saying there's kind of like almost no one was in between. You know, I would say, I mean, I know, I think it was 
Doug who put away that three wise men mixed together shot. Yeah. And I have to give a lot of credit for that because that is a, that is a power drinking move. Like, <laughs> I don't know if I would have been, a, I might've been like, just pour it out. I don't, I'll pay for it. Yeah. I'll pay you twice as much if I don't have to consume it because right. Jesus Christ, that was pretty good. Um, our friend Nicanor put in a good showing. Yeah. You also, I think did a pretty good job. Got a, yeah, I feel like Nicanor and I are always the the hard rampagers, you know. Yeah. Doug, Doug too. So that's a. I think it's a, yeah the the varsity team yeah showed up. The you you see why some folks were on the first string yeah. Santa rampage team like yep. the varsity team you know earned their letters. It's hard to tell sometimes because I know there are some people too who their behavior doesn't change as much right. Um, or like they get quiet ish Mm -hmm. and so i'm like "Hmm, i can't tell you know they might be annihilated or they may have not even drank anything like it's hard for me to tell so i'm sure there were some people who were low-key very uh rampagey um okay next question this isn't this is an either or beef balls or lamb balls lamb balls I know, right? I had both. So yeah. in Severance, they had the Rocky Mountain oysters. Right. But you could get uh, beef or lamb. Mm-hmm. And so the beef were fine, but the lamb were much better. The beef were like chewy and rubbery, and the lamb were not. The, Flavor-wise, they were pretty similar. If I had to recommend ordering one or the other, I would go with the lamb every time. Yeah. The beef was... No, this was not a problem of the place in Severance cooking them poorly. That's just how they are. That's just how they are. Yeah. It's it's basically tasting breading and cocktail sauce. Yeah. And it's like eating a fried shrimp. Yeah. Well, um, there's a reason that, you know, cuz it's like famous for Rocky Mountain oysters and that's traditionally bulls. Right. But there's a reason that lamb have been added to the menu and it's because it's way better. <laughs> like lamb tastes better. Like some crazy ass motherfucker they already were serving bull balls, and they're like, well... And then some crazy motherfucker was like, what if we tried some different balls? And then they tried lamb, and they're like, mm, this is better. It, it kind of makes sense, legit. though, because there's like a lot of lamb plants and lamb processing around. So it's yeah. like, yeah, there's a ton of lambs. So Yeah, like, I just don't know how much demand of, there is of, for balls-based <laughs> foods. Yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, it seems strange that there's like a variety where someone walked into the bar and Severance is like, you know... I want testicles. I yeah. want balls in my mouth. Yeah. But I don't really want bull balls. Can I get another mammal? I promise you this was someone who was like a chef or something and just, or a butcher. And they're like, well, I got access to some, you guys, you guys want to try out some different balls? Like, and they're like, all right, what the hell? Uh, you know, there's got to be some like episode of like, you know, parts unknown or something like that where Anthony yeah. Bourdain's eating like lamb balls and they're like, yeah. That's it. That's yep. the that's the thing. It was better. Yeah, lamb for sure. Lamb balls noticeably better. Mhm. All right. So, um best stealthy exit. Uh It's tougher this year. I think only two people left early. Mhm. So that would probably be Val. Right. Cuz I think she was one of the two and the other one was our sister, which I was like we're about to get, we're getting on the bus in 15 minutes and can drop you off at home. She was right. like, now I'm leaving. I was like, okay. <laughs> Val is always the master of the stealthy exit. 
every yes. year. Like she's, yeah. you know, just sometimes she's just gone and we're like, where? where? Definitely the queen of that situation. Right. Mm-hmm. Like she's got it. She's got it on lock. But she somehow got the like, I'm going now. And then just. Whoop. Yep. She's just gone. You know what it's like? It's like if you play Metal Gear Solid 5 or if you play Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker. Okay. Right. And there's a sort of Fulton recovery system that you can use to snatch dudes. Okay. And like suck them up to, you know, and they go work for you now. Okay. But basically just imagine you attach a, like a balloon to an unconscious dude and then he like hovers for a second and just flies off into the sky. Okay. Um, that's kind of what Val does. Yeah. Right? She's just like hovering and then whoop. she's just there and then she's not there anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, definitely that one. All right. So this is a quantitative one. Maybe the last question. Okay. When did Poon Master Flex cross over from fun drunk to not having fun drunk? Well, she was sick. Okay. So she was not real drunk at any point. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it was mostly, basically once the entire bus except for her had crossed over into fun drunk. Right. She was not having fun. Mm. Um, but I think that's a very natural result of... Having having done my own sober Santa rampage, which two years ago I think three years ago, maybe it, it was either one or two, right? Because it was definitely Poonmaster Flex was in Oregon, so mm. she wasn't there, and I was there, but I had just had my gum surgeries, so I couldn't drink. Right, you had a bunch of antibiotics or something like that. I had antibiotics, but then painkillers too, mm. and then this other anti-inflammatory thing. I was on like five things. Mm-hmm. And I was like, maybe I could drink. And then I was like, no, you better not. Right. Um, it's certainly like, I I was able to derive a certain amount of joy from it. Mm-hmm. But it is, it could be very annoying. Right. Being with like 15 pretty drunk people is super fucking annoying. I know I'm probably not saying anything that no one's thought before. But, so I think she, she was, that's, that's about when when everyone else sort of tipped over into that seems like if you're doing the polar express versus the regular santa rampage yeah like, yeah you can kind of like pick your people yes find some people you yeah. know you know calm some things down like for, sort of find the soberest person or the person yeah. you can talk to the most this is the yeah being on the bus versus being out and about much worse if you're like horribly sick because mm-hmm. yeah there's no escape there's no escape it's loud it's <laughs> kind of obnoxious pounding. there's music there's pounding. lights flashing lights flashing everyone's loud as fuck you're kind of swaying a little bit in the bus too yeah, like, everything's you know, bad the driver was good don't get me wrong yeah, yeah. but like you know the, it's just natural yeah yeah so that was probably what pushed over the edge there. <clears throat> mm-hmm. yeah um so maybe a la- actual last question do you think you would do the polar express again next year not next year, because I want to do something different, mm-hmm. and I have a few different ideas. Ooh. Um, but no, I would do it again in mm-hmm. general, definitely. I mean, it's it's a pretty fun way to have a party. Right. I mean, I did a similar thing on my birthday. There is an origin to all of this, too, which is like when I was a young man and I was coaching uh, cross country mm-hmm. at my old high school, I coached with this guy, Woody was great and one thing he did periodically was something called destinations unknown Mm -hmm. (laughs) and he would get a bus like a legit huge charter bus right and he would buy a shitload of beer which he got at some like 
n- sketchy beer sale where it was like beer that was either expired or about to expire. Then it would sit in his garage for like six months. And then he'd just load up the bus with all this beer. Uh, basically tell everyone like it costs 45 bucks and uh, what happens. And it's like you get on the bus at 8 p.m. and we'll be back at midnight. Right. And like whatever's happening between that time is like it's all planned out. You don't have to do anything but just get on and off the bus. Mm-hmm. So I think I did this twice with him. And I just thought it was super fun. And I liked there's this aspect of it that I think is fun too, because you like, uh, some people struggle with it, which is like surrendering control. Mm. Um, because some people are like, where are we going? What's next? What's next? What's next? And I'm like, well, do you need to know? Or are you just like curious? And do you really want to know? Mm -hmm. And usually I'm just like, I'll tell you if you really want to know, but do you want to know? And then people are like, I guess not. Like, I guess I'd rather just whatever. Um, cause the other thing is like, what am I going to say? Like Dick's Tavern in alt. And they're going to be like, oh, that place that I've been many times. Right. Um, But I feel like it's got this almost vibe to it. Like, you know how you don't really realize till you're an adult that like going on a vacation is fun, but also a pain in the ass. And you're like, I'm kind of wistful for the days when it's like going on vacation meant um, I got in the car. Right. With like a backpack that had like a coloring book in it. And then if we're going to like Chicago... It's mm-hmm. like, I don't have to worry about getting there on time. I don't have to worry about, like, the security thing. I don't have to worry about how we're getting picked up from the airport or how we're getting there. I don't have to worry about checking into a hotel. I, nothing. You're just, like, along for the ride. Right. You're basically just like, I'm here to absorb fun, and anything that's not fun is not my problem. Logistics are not me. There are I no logistics. Right. And I think that's, like, an appealing experience. Mm-hmm. for people or i would think it would be it is to me in theory i've never done it from well i did it with woody and that was super fun and so i like to create that experience for other people it's probably the main appeal of like as they get older it's like the main appeal of something like a cruise yeah you know like that's probably its biggest appeal is like i don't have to plan anything yeah i can just be like i get out of my little cabin Go on the boat. Yeah. There's, you know, I have to show up for meal times. Yeah. And that's about it. Like. Yeah. You we know. Were, we were in New York and we saw, it was like a tour of super old people. Mm-hmm. And they were on this huge bus and like they got off at the the High Line and they were walking around and, you know, someone's like, yeah, this is the High Line and here's how that works. And I was like, I don't really like that part, but I could totally get behind if it was like, do you want to just get on this bus and go cross country for four weeks and you'll just stop at a bunch of shit right. and see it? And I would be like, yes. All of a sudden that appealing, that experience is appealing to me. Mm-hmm. Like I've done the thing I do like, you know, you go somewhere, you do whatever you want and like whatever. But there are times too where I'm like, it would be nice to just be like, okay, so we're done at 8 p.m. and wake up times 8 a.m. Right. And then we're all going to go eat breakfast. We're all going to go see a thing and then we're all going to see another thing and then we're done. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, that is, it's like you d- you're not responsible for like figuring shit out for right. a few hours. And I think that's not a common adult experience. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's, I can't even remember what the question was, but. No, I was asking if you do the Polar Express oh, yeah. again. Because the Polar Express does kind of, in a way, it also makes something smoother in, like, one of the things that you don't have to do is you don't have to play, like, uh, Mother Duck. 
get no. out with the ducklings. Yeah. Like as long as like everyone knows you get on the bus and everything takes care of itself. Yes. Plus there's booze on the bus. Yeah. Which is another big incentive. People can be like, oh, I can get on the bus and, and drink again. Yes. Right. Because right. if the, you go into a bar and then you've bought a drink and you finished it, then you're like, well, I could buy another drink or consume one of the many drinks available on the bus. It made it easier. Which are now in right. our pantry. <laughs> It made it a little easier in some cases to say like, okay, you know, I got my Lagunitas because that was the sort of thing that they had at this bar. Sure. Um, but, you know, I can abandon that one and not feel bad about it. Yeah. It's like, who cares? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I would, I would do it again. I don't, I don't know if I would do it again next year. Maybe. It would depend. I would want to do something sort of different because I don't want to like do a repeat. Right. But... I've thought about some different ideas. I've thought about doing like a year of greatest hits mm. and like <laughs> repeating some of the things I've thought about doing. I've thought about doing a year where it's like we could all be in like a motel mm. and then everybody kind of has to like theme their room and, you know, come up with a game to be played in their room and stuff like that. But I'm like, mm, that's questionable. The logistics and expenses would be, they're much higher. Much higher. Um, I've thought about doing a destination rampage. Hmm. So, like, we all go to, you know, Vegas or something, or to a lesser extent, Blackhawk, <laughs> you know, like... Something. Whatever, something like that. Um, I've also thought about... I've thought about doing kind of a normal one, but instead of, like, the, the games and the bars and stuff basically delegating that to a bunch of different people mm. so that, you know, like maybe you would have to pick, you would have to come up with a game right. and provide whatever supplies and do it. Mm-hmm. Um, because then I'm like, because then I could like do stuff, mm-hmm. but so I've got some ideas rattling around. So we'll see what happens. You could also, you could always do the um, destination rampage at the um, talking stick resort and casino just outside of phoenix which you know what has that you love top golf well there you go you know like and phoenix and summers is not too bad phoenix and winter or winter i'm sorry <laughs> phoenix and summer is hell right um, phoenix and winter it'd be about like 70 degrees 60 yeah. degrees 60 that would degrees, be pretty nice you know yeah and also it's like that's not like a long flight no it's probably not super expensive pretty cheap actually if you so, go on the right tickets yeah and I, I recognize, like, if I did that, there'd probably be far fewer people. Yes. Um, but at the same time, I'm like, you know, I've also thought of doing, um, there's a friend who's suggested many years doing a bar humbug, mm. which is basically, like, no Christmas spirit whatsoever, and you just go to bars. Um, and that would be a Christmas Eve thing. Mm. So that kind of has its own different appeal as well, because it's like you're doing, I don't know, Bar hopping on Christmas Eve is kind of sad, but kind of great. I I used to do that. Yeah. Um, with we called it Christmas Eve drinkery. Yeah. Um, and we went to, uh, my friend Adam and I went to any bar that was open, which is usually like the Garden City Gentlemen's Club. Yes. <laughs> I think we talked about that on this podcast. Maybe where I got a um a coupon from them. <laughs> like I got a drink coup like a free drink coupon. <laughs> Uh, there were no dancers there that evening because it was Christmas Eve. Yeah. <laughs> Which you're like, why are you even open? I mean, seriously. And you're going to give me a free drink coupon. There's no dancers here. Come on. There were a handful of people in there. Sure. Um. So, I mean. But why not just be open for, like, regulars? 
Mm-hmm. Or like, it's probably people who work there or some shit. I mean, that's crazy. It was, yeah. Like every time we went to Christmas Eve drinkery, it tended to be occasionally chain places, but mostly like old man bars. Yeah. Like you could probably go to a Red Robin or something. The Red Robin and Roasties. No, oh, Roasties, sure. Is the sort of Famous places you for can having go. a shower curtain to divide the stalls in the women's room. <laughs> yes. So, like, those are your sort of two extremes. Yeah. Um, for sure. Roasties was, we went there one time on a, a thing. I think it was when we did Halloween 2 mm. in the summer, which was a similar thing. Um, but we, <laughs> we went to Roasties and it was like the bartender there was hilarious because we bought shots. Someone bought shots for everybody. And then, you know, she was like, bought one for herself on that tab as well. She was like, oh yeah, I'm included on that, right? (laughs) I think there's like, there's a weird ethical question here, which is like, all right, you buy it. Let's say you buy shots for you and four other people and the bartender. Right. Which is a thing people do. Sure. Do you then tip the bartender as well? Or is the shot the tip? I think that, hmm, that's a tough question. I mean, I kind of feel like you still have to tip sort of nominally. Like you just leave a dollar? Like a dollar or two. Or $2. Yeah. This is, the but thing like, is with bars, like bartending, okay, some bars I understand. I am not talking right now about the guy who like smokes the little block of cedar and then puts the glass over it so the smoke goes in the glass yeah, and then he I like does that shit. I, I'm talking about like the bars we were going to are literally like I opened a beer for you. And then pushed it towards you. Didn't even give you a fucking napkin or n- nothing. And it's like, I know I'm supposed to tip them like a dollar for that, but come on. Like, come on. I mean, I kind of feel a lot of that is, you know, to me, like, I, I, it's part of why, I mean, I don't usually order bottled beers that often. Sure. Um, but my honest, a draft beer. Right. I'm like, and I always do tip, by the right. way. Mm-hmm. I'm not like saying I don't, but like. Sometimes, sometimes I feel like, especially I think if someone pours me a shot of well bourbon, right? And I'm like, you put one ounce of liquid from this bottle into a tiny cup, and like, was that a dollar of work? I mean, I don't. Yeah, like I, you know, I also kind of tend to think about maybe this is also me thinking about the price of the drink in a way. Like I was at a fancy cocktail place, yeah, and I was like, okay, I should tip after you know every drink that I get. Sure. But I was like, man, these drinks are expensive. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, do I tip like 20? Because to me, like, now that's the kind of drink where it's clear, like someone's doing some work. You sure. know, they're like mixing it up. Yeah. They're, you know, having we went to, to a fancy dishes. place like yeah. that and it was nice and the, mm-hmm. they were, they were working. They were right. like, I don't mean the other people aren't working. I just mean like, they, they were was, using a skill. <laughs> there, there was effort involved. It was like, we can kind of recognize that like pouring a shot from one glass to another you know, from a bottle to a glass is not the same as like mixing 10 million little things. Yeah. Like, let's put it this way. If I was put in the situation of most of the bartenders we had, right. I would be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, if I was put in the situation of like the bartender at a fancy cocktail place, I wouldn't know what the fuck I was doing. Right. I would completely screw it up and be fired within the day mm-hmm. for sure. So like, there's a difference there to me. That even if I had the directions, I'm not sure I could execute the directions. Yeah, or like, okay, when you go to a concert, like I'll go to these Lucero shows, and they mm-hmm. tend to be hard-drinking shows, 
And so, you know, you kind of work your way up to the bar and then I'll be like, okay, I'll get two PBRs and they open them and set them on the bar. And then they're like, that'll be $12 and you pay $12. And I'm like, I guess I should leave like two bucks, but like, Jesus Christ, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know. I, I think that generally I think of the tipping like everyone else of like, it's not so much for that drink, but for the next one. Well, totally. Yeah, I'm only, yeah. it's basically extortion. Right. Cause you're like, well, I'm, <laughs> I'm tipping you now because the next time I come up, I'm hoping you'll see me and be like, okay, that guy tipped me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like essentially an extortion move. <laughs> but I will also say that as a Polar Express thing and having been back in Greeley for a little bit, yeah. um, you can get a sense of a bars because almost all of the bars we went to, like we were unsure if they took cards or not. Yeah. Like some of them didn't. Yeah. You know, like they're, they're like cash only. Yeah. And um, the fancier cocktail place I went to last night when I was paying in cash, they were kind of confused. Yeah. Like genuinely like this is not, you know. What are you, what is this? What are right. you doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's definitely a divide between the card and cash world. And that's probably no more pronounced than it is at bars. Right. Because there are some that are just like, we don't take cards, which I'm like, I don't even know if that's legal. But like, then there are some that are just like, don't even know what to do with cash, which that to me is bizarre. Because I'm like, what are you talking about? It's not like I handed you a $100 bill for a $4 beer. The interesting thing about the law is that they can choose not to take any card if they want to. Because that's just like an agreement between companies. Uh-huh. But the bar has to take cash. Well, right. Because it's like legal currency or whatever. Yes. For all that's public and private. So they can't be like, what the fuck is this? They're like, Well, yeah. see, I know there are certain things like cabs have to take cards mm-hmm. in some cities. Like you can't not take a card. You can't refuse a card. Right. Um, so I don't know. But I don't know if that, how that works. I don't know. Like if a card constitutes legal <laughs> tender. But I mean, whatever. Right. Point being, I prefer the bars that are like cash only to the ones that are like cash phobic. I feel, you know, I guess the more I've been using like part of our budgeting thing we've been doing for the past year Uh, and a big like a big part of it is like stuff like drinks out is done in cash. Yeah. Which is definitely a different experience. And like the because sometimes you think like, oh, do I want another drink? Yeah. But I'm like. Do I have the cash for another drink? Or yeah. like when I'm having to put my cash on the bar, I'm like, ooh, I don't know if I want one. It hurts more. Well, it or hurts like more. you're yeah. drinking that craft beer that's like six bucks or something. And you're like, mm, mm-hmm. how do I feel about that? Well, it's a sort of like you look at the price and you don't just look at the thing. But, you know, it's also a way of saying like if I'm going to buy the $10 beer, I'm going to enjoy this one. Yeah. Right. It's not like I'm just going to slam it down. I'm like, right. no, no, I paid 10 bucks for this. I'll <laughs> I'll slow down and enjoy it more. Definitely. Um, But yeah, I think the cash phobic bar is to me that often feels like they're trying to, you know, maybe this is me being paranoid. But it's like that they know if you have like a tab with a card, you're going to buy more yeah and so when you're probably. handing them cash it's like you're slowing down your own drinking and they don't like you know some bars just don't like that i think too it's like it seems to me like a generational thing mm-hmm. i think that like kids these days yeah i mean not necessarily kids but like younger people don't really i think it's less common for everybody to carry cash right but i think especially someone who's like 25 and under mm-hmm. the chances that they're carrying cash are like zero right 
So I don't know. I think there's a, a thing about that. Like, I've just noticed some places you go and they like really prefer that you take a card. Mm-hmm. It's weird. I think people around our age have seen the transition from there was only cash to some places took cards. But then there was a lot of like, well, they really only, you really only paid with a card when it was expensive. Right. You know, you bought a suit, you would use a card. Mm-hmm. But like, if you tried to use it at McDonald's, people would be like, what the fuck? Right. Or a lot of the like, you must pay, it has to be $5 or more to use a card. Right. Like that whole sort of transition period. Mm-hmm. But then things have tipped, I think, where now it's common to use a card like you don't i don't feel bad using a card to buy a two dollar coffee right because it's like they have the square register they're all set mm-hmm. so it's it's been like a change but i don't know i don't i don't i don't mean that, that i prefer the cash bar because it's the cash i just if i'm looking at factors right i'm like i bet i'm gonna enjoy my time there more i have a feeling that's gonna be more of my speed mm-hmm. it's probably gonna be a little shittier um which is fine right okay i don't know if i can remember the questions your favorite cocktail yeah um i think my favorite cocktail was probably i think i only had yours and mine and i think one of uh, it was either hana's or nicanor's the one without cream in it yeah i think the um gosh what was that the sangria i think it was someone made some kind of sangria that was pretty good there were jello shots jello shots might be jello shots don't count i'm gonna go with the sangria <laughs> okay. um, jello shots like they were still well made but it's the they're like sure the jello shots um hardest rampager Ooh. in your opinion doug might win that one yeah um, one of the Carrillos, because he, he and I were the only ones who went out afterwards. You guys did stay out longer. So I think that, you know, that helps out. Yeah. You know, I think that's, you know, the sort of going the distance, I think, counts for a lot. He is one, too. Yeah, he's a good example of someone who I can't really tell, mm-hmm. like, if he's been drinking a lot or not. It's hard to tell. Right. But, yeah. Um, so I think, like, that definitely, definitely there, you know. So that, I, I'd give it to him because he went the distance, you know, like. Yeah. Doug went hard. You know, but he went he went all the way. Yeah. You know, he he crossed the finish line. It's true. He kept know. running through He kept running. He, he ran through the tape. Yeah. <laughs> Unless that the, there may or may not have been where Doug contributed to the stain in front of the Key Largo. Well, who's to say? I mean, there's a it's it's kind of a, you know, <laughs> hard to picture together with the evidence. Um What else was there? What other? What were the other questions? Oh, little lamb balls, definitely. We, oh, we yeah, went, yeah, for that sure. Was, that was that's like a no no brainer. Mm-hmm. Um, well, would you ride on the Polar Express again? I think I would. I enjoyed the Polar Express. Yeah, I appreciated the bars that we went to. Yeah, I think that. I, you know, part of me feels like maybe this is one of those just thinking about it in a, you know, different and maybe not always better. Mm-hmm. I probably would have wanted like, because I, I mean, there's some things where I do kind of like having the sort of weird fancy cocktail place. Sure. And I think maybe it's just because some of my best feeling rampage experiences were like sort of the, you know, 
80s movie slobs show up to the fancy party sort sure. of experiences. Slobs that I versus think, slobs. <laughs> yeah, which I think we only get when we go to the fancier yes, places. True. Or the more upscale places. True. And that has a certain rampage aspect of like showing up and, you know, uh, fun disrupting someone's, you know, much more uptight affair. Okay. And I think that when we went to the dive bars, that was kind of missing. Yeah. In a way. There was no class to disrupt. <laughs> yeah. So it was kind of, there's sometimes no people, but it was kind of like that felt like it was missing something. In yeah. A way. I, like, I hear what you're saying. I think there's that, usually when we're out and about, there's a couple spots where the other patrons are excited to like be like, what is this? What's right. happening? And that was not a part of this. We got that, I think, near the end. Yeah. Um, like a couple of us encountered that, but like that was not nearly as. Well, part of it too Common. was everyone was in pajamas as right. opposed to Santa, Santa outfits. Mm-hmm. So I think that would be something I would do differently too. Yeah. So I think that like, I like, I would definitely run in the Polar Express again. Um, I think I would plan for the food places a bit better. Like myself, I'd be like, okay, this is when we're eating. Yeah. Cause you didn't read the fucking email. I, oh, no, I did. <laughs> I did read the email eventually, but I think I kind of. I, I forgot at one point, yeah. you know, so I was on, like, I was, I planned poorly. Yes. Um, so I would probably plan differently for the yeah. Polar Express. Sure. Um, so I think I would, I would do it again. I think it was a good, like, I liked it as an experiment. I don't know if it was my favorite Rampage year, but sure. I think like it was a good, different variety. Okay. That's thing. a good, good last question. What was your mm-hmm. favorite one? Ooh. I think if I had my favorite Rampage memories, um, I mean, I think the first year might be one of my favorites. Yeah, it was pretty good. But I think my favorite Rampage memory is still going to the distillery and taking over the um, 12 Days of Christmas song. Yes. That felt the most, in the spirit of when I think of what Santa Rampage is, like that's sort of the the narrative. If I had to pick what I would describe, that's what I would describe. Yeah, we kind of just, we ended up going there and it just happened to be their Christmas party. Mm -hmm. And then they were doing like, they had professional like musicians there. Right. But so then they were doing the 12 days of Christmas. So they were assigning the different days to different groups. And I think we were the five golden rings. Uh, we, we took over five golden we rings. We did take like, over. Someone else had, had it assigned to them. Yeah. But when five golden rings came up, uh, I was the, I think I was one of the instigators of this. I can't remember if Alan was there, but um, maybe, it was Alan or Nicanor. Yeah. Like one of us was the, we were the instigators of like, we're just going to shout it as loud as we can. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it kind of turned into just like, a, it was fun. Right. And the other, the people in the place were also having fun. So it was, it was the, uh, the sort of spirit of bringing Christmas cheer to the land. It was in life for, you know, for us, it was, we got to do the slobs versus snobs thing, which is. A little bit, A little bit, like that little flavor of it, but also, like, we got the sort of fun injection of chaos, which I think makes something interesting. I agree. I think there is a a thing about injecting that little bit of the unexpected into people's lives, which is like, it's like a pleasant surprise. And I think that maybe the pajamas kind of lessen that a little bit, like a bunch of Santas showing up would have been... A bit different, but I yeah. think, like, we still had fun, but I think that might be, you know, 
I like sort of the injection of chaos, which I'm not like. There was still plenty of chaos in the Polar Express, but yeah, the injection of chaos was part of what I enjoy. Yeah, and it seemed a little less than in some years. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. It was definitely it had to be more planned. Yes, and like regimented and. And, Whatever. you know, as someone now, because I had a vasectomy and I can't inject chaos into people or <laughs> a person. what you call it. <laughs> what do you call your semen? Your little spermies. I don't know, but I've never chaos. I mean, it seems like a good, a fair description of what comes out at the end, you know, like. I guess. You're just like blowing a load into someone and then all of a sudden like a little bunch of little tadpoles like trying to swim up in random directions well, sure, on the and, microscopic level and then yeah. all of a sudden you know what comes out baby and you know what babies are chaos that poops yeah and then you know they get to toddlers i'm not like, i'm not saying it's not perhaps in sideways apt description i'm right. just saying i don't think you planned it that way. <laughs> i think you're retroactively doing it i i feel like i was you know what i was planning i was planning a transition yeah. To the other topic. I think we better uh, call it oh. and do it another time. Ooh, maybe as a Patreon bonus episode. Oh, yeah, because we yeah. still have to do one this month. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for coming. Thank you. And yeah, we'll we'll do another episode soon mm-hmm. because you're around. That's true. I'm around. <laughs> we'll be around. All right. We'll see you next time. Where are the bone thoughts in? Are they in harmony?